We are starting a new sermon series. I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, it starts with a question. Sporting fans, what big event kicked off this week? Olympics. Olympics. All right. You guys are pretty good. The Olympics kicked off this week. And the Tokyo Olympics. Now, you may be thinking, Bill, aren't those every four years? And why is it in 2021? Because it got canceled or postponed in 2020 because of COVID. Like everybody else, their, their lives got impacted by the COVID situation. So 2021, Tokyo. It's an amazing story all in and of itself, but they leveled neighborhoods. They gathered all this money. They built these magnificent stadiums so that they could hold all these crowds. And guess what? There's no crowds. The athletes actually are in the stadium performing to an empty stadium. Imagine that for just a second. You're an athlete. You've been training so hard, so long, so disciplined, and this is your big show, and it's just quiet. Wouldn't that freak you out? I mean, it's kind of like church. No, wait, sorry. No. <laughs> that slipped out. No. <laughs> so here's the thing. I can't imagine any athlete that would be going to the Olympics that would call themselves an Olympian not training for it. And I can't imagine any athlete that would call themselves an Olympian not going there and trying to win the gold, like these three. Now, I did not know this before this picture, but apparently gold medals are a tasty snack. Who knew? Very nutritious and good for you. But the point is, these people went there expecting to compete for the gold. And you don't just walk into something like that. You just don't walk in and go, yeah, I'm here, I'm going to... Uh, I don't know, swim against Michael Phelps for the, the gold medal in swimming. That's not going to end well for you. Right? It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be unproductive. But the reason I bring this up is we all have that gold medal in mind, do we not? I mean, think about your lives for just a second because there's something that you are willing to train for. There's something that you're willing to sacrifice for. There's something that you are willing to compete like you're fighting for a gold medal. And what is that for you? I, I don't know. I see a lot of people do that with their jobs. They'll sacrifice everything. I mean, they'll sacrifice whatever it is to get that money because money is a sign of success. Money is the gold medal. But what I find is that people will end up with full bank accounts in empty nests. What are you willing to sacrifice? I see other people that are willing to sacrifice their health so that they can make wealth. I mean, we work ourselves to death. That's not a phrase that I just came up with. You've heard it before. Maybe you've experienced it. Yeah, working myself to death. To what end? So that you can accumulate things on this earth that will pass? So that you can get a large bank account that somebody else will spend when you die? But in the meantime, we've spent our health so that when we get older, we spend our wealth taking care of our health. To what end? What, what are we willing to sacrifice for? So, Bill, this sounds so hopeless. Now I'm not, not Debbie Downer here. Now, I bring you hope this morning because there is one thing that we can compete for. There is one thing worth sacrificing for. There is one thing that is the true gold medal. And here it is. The golden rule wins the gold. The golden rule wins the gold. And what do you mean by that? Well, here's the thing. A lot of times, in, and this is what this series is going to be all about, we learn things as kids. 
our, our parents think they're so important. And, and I, I can tell you this because it was my story. I've told you before how I grew up in the church and then kind of strayed, and then I came back to church. Guess what brought me back to church? Was it a, an awakening of my sinful state and a desire to be saved? Was it uh, I was at wit's end and had no place else to turn? No. It was the birth of my first daughter because I wanted her to have church. Now, what does that tell you about my state of mind? It tells me this. I kind of thought Jesus was for kids. Kind of like the cereal. What is it? Tricks are for kids? Tricks? Yeah, let's just move on. So I thought, kind of Jesus is for, I want my daughters to grow up with that. I want them to experience the same thing that I grew up with, but I wasn't living that way. So at what point do we outgrow Jesus? Answer, never. We never outgrow Jesus. But for some reason, we have this mindset that, yeah, I'm going for my kids. I want my kids to have this, but I don't really live this. Now, here's the question of the day. And you don't have, please don't raise your hands. Don't say anything out loud. This is a rhetorical question. How many of us are living the golden rule? Think about that for a second. But how many of us would be willing to teach that to our kids and hold our kids to that expectation that they would live the golden rule? Now think about that one for a second. And if there's a disconnect in those two thoughts, you're in the right place this morning because we're going to address how do we deal with stuff that we were taught as kids that still applies as adults. And today we're starting with the golden rule. Now, the golden rule um, is from Jesus himself, because a lot of times you'll see things that are quoted, and people, oh, that, yeah, um, uh, earlier, oh, I'm trying to think of a good example that's not in the Bible. Ben Franklin always has that. Uh, he always had these wonderful quotes, and people attribute those to the Bible. Yeah, it's not actually in the Bible. This one is. This is Matthew 7.12. So Matthew 7.12 says this, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, you may be thinking, Bill, I came here to study the Bible. And you put up one sentence. Yes, yes, I did. Because this one sentence is gold. Anytime you see anything that Jesus says, first of all, that's an indicator. This, is, this should be red letter stuff, right? This is something that Jesus is saying. That makes it important. But here's what really brings it home for me. Look at that last line. What he just said there sums up the law and the prophets. To that age, when Jesus is there, has not yet gone to the cross, this is everything. This is everything that they need to do to follow God. This sums up all the law and the prophets. This is worth dwelling on, some, taking some time to explore. Because it turns out the golden rule wins the gold. So let's pour through this a little bit here, and I want you to look at one other thing, actually two other things. So in everything. If you remember back a few weeks ago, we talked about the go and make disciples, and that go was not necessarily go in a direction, but more like as you are going, be about the business of making disciples. Similarly here, so in everything... So when people think about, oh, I've got to make all these drastic changes to my life to be a Christian, to be a Jesus follower, to show the light of Christ, no, you don't. Do what you do, but do it with Christ flowing through you. So in everything that you do normally throughout the day, you don't have to change a thing. Just change the way you do the thing and show Christ in it. So in everything, do to others 
This is the other thing that fascinates me about this particular passage. Because Jesus isn't saying, in everything that you do, wait and see how your neighbor treats you and then decide how you're going to reciprocate. In everything you do, when that person cuts you off in traffic, you get right back in front of them and cut them off and do a quick break check. And please make sure you've got a word sir sticker on the back of your window. <laughs> Honk if you love Jesus, right? And we'll pass some Hawaiian good luck symbols. All right. So in everything you do, do what you would have them do to you. See, Jesus isn't about defense. Jesus isn't about waiting to see what people are going to do. Jesus is a man of action. He says, do first. You be first. Do unto others what you would want them to do to you. That is the golden rule. And oh, by the way, it sums up all the law and the prophets. Jesus is not here to cast off rules. Jesus is not here to start some new fantastic cult. He's here to fulfill what God started. And this is the golden rule. So let's take a quick comparison to some Eastern religions because here's, here's one of the arguments that you might hear from people. That Bill, Jesus copied these other religions because Jesus was right around the turn of the century. Uh, in fact, I think that his birthday kind of started that whole new calendar thing. Um, Confucius said this at 500 B.C. So a lot of these Eastern religions are coming from a time frame of 500 B.C., which is way before Jesus, right? And here's what they say. Confucius, do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. Sounds good, okay? Hinduism, this is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. Still sounds good. Buddhism, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. All these are around circa 450, 500 B.C. Jesus was... Well, it depends depend about, what, 31 A.D. when he said that, <laughs> somewhere in there. So Jesus must have copied. Actually, no. If you go back and you look at Leviticus 19.18, which was written about 1450 B.C., you'll find, do not take revenge on your neighbors, but love your neighbors as yourself, summing up all of this stuff. Jesus is quoting what God started many eons ago. So I just want to lay that concern to rest. Jesus is not copying. Jesus is reiterating what God has already said. Here's the other thing that I find interesting. When I say, do unto others as you would have them do it to you, and then you compare what I just said to these three things, do you notice anything that's different in the language? Lots of do nots. Right? So this is, uh, this is a, a negative presentation, and sometimes people will call this the silver rule. Right? Do not do what you don't want to do to them. When the golden rule is, well, do to them what you want them to do to you. And, and the challenge becomes is this is based on a moral concept called the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity says, whatever you do to me, I'll return to you. And so there's an essence of waiting to see how that person is going to act and then deciding how you're going to respond based on what you got from them. Now, how many uh, people are involved in uh, sparring, martial arts? Perfect. Yeah, one family. It, family <laughs> reunions for the McLeods are tough, right? So uh, let, me, let me give you an idea of what happens in sparring, all right? So you stand initially. You get all dolled up. 
you touch gloves, the bell rings, and it's on. And you sense an energy from someone else. And you wait to see what they're going to do. Uh, okay, all right, got me. I'm going to put this down for just a second. So you can see that waiting to see what other people do is not a good idea because then you're just in a pure reaction mode, right? So offense is way better. So if you start and I start moving and I start doing things that you have to react to, now I control the tempo. I set if it's going to be super aggressive or super technical or super light. Same thing with Jesus. I know this, <laughs> that might be a bit of a hard clutch shift to make that analogy from martial arts to, to Jesus. But here's the thing. If I just go out into a dark, sinful, selfish world and wait to see what happens, the chances are it's not going to be a good thing. And what happens if I go out into that same world with something that I have to offer them? What if I go first? What if I treat them like I would want to be treated and I set the tone and then they react to me? Actually, technically, they react to Christ. That's the best of all worlds, is it not? That's well within our power to do, but sometimes we just kind of forget that we have an opportunity to represent Christ or we assume that eh, things will work out on their own accord. I don't really need to do anything special. But in everything you do, be thinking about this, because I'm firmly convinced that God has placed you in the place that you are and has you doing the things that you're doing so that he can work through you to build his kingdom. So in everything you do, do. Go first. Set the tone. So why should we worry about this golden rule? Now, I was surfing through the Internet to try and find some illustrations. I did not know that the state of Nevada has live the golden rule license plates. How cool is that? I'm thinking we should write to Texas and go, hey, where's our golden rule license plate? Well, I'll buy one. But uh, why the golden rule? It's important because if you look at the state of affairs, if you look at the state where God decided to send his son into, it's a world where we live in darkness. Darkness of not understanding God, the darkness of disconnect, the darkness of not walking the path that he's laid out before us, which is the one that's well lit, by the way. But when we stray from that, it gets a little fuzzy. It gets a little dark. You don't have to be around this world much to recognize that there is great darkness out there, and God didn't either, because that's why he sent his son as a light to the world in the midst of great darkness. Now, he didn't just send his son to do this. His son equips us to continue that light. So as he lives through us, we continue the light. If we don't do that, then we turn ourselves over to the human heart. If you've read anything of Scripture, you know about the human heart. And what do we know about the human heart left of its own accord? It's deceitful. It'll lead us astray. It needs to be aligned with God's heart. Otherwise, we join the darkness and we contribute to the problem. So let's stop contributing and start, uh, start stop contributing to the problem and start adding to the solution. How do we do that? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It sounds so simple, but it's not easy. And that's the challenge. 
So you're going to run into some obstacles as you go through this idea of trying to do unto others and be proactive. Let's talk about those so they're not a surprise to you. The first one is, let's just face it, we're selfish. If I were told that I was going to train for the Olympics and I was into comfort, I would go, you know what? I don't really feel like working out today. I'll skip today. And, and then tomorrow comes along, you know, I'm really busy. I don't really have time to work out, so I, I'm just not going to work out. And then the third day rolls around, and I stayed up late, and, and I'm really tired, and that alarm goes off, and I'm too tired. I don't, I don't want to work out today. On day four now, I work out. And then I go to the Olympics. How's that going to turn out for me? I will be an embarrassment to the USA, which is why I will never make the Olympic team, by the way. Don't look for me the next one. But that's the whole point, isn't it? If it's all about us, we'll never do anything that makes us uncomfortable. If it's all about us, we'll surround ourselves in a cocoon of comfort. We'll never stretch our boundaries. We'll never, never allow Christ to call us beyond the comfortable. We'll sit in the boat and never step on the water. Now, I say that not to berate or to beat you over the head, but think about this. How cool would it be to be called out of the boat and step on the water? This is an opportunity for an adventure. This is an invitation from none other than Christ himself to join this wonderful adventure. I can't imagine what it must have been like to walk on water. But I look forward to that opportunity when Christ calls me out of my comfort zone just to see where he can take me. Will it be comfortable? Heck no. Will it be exciting, exhilarating, thrilling? You bet. Never a dull moment because, hey, life is different. Is it not? So the first one we've got to overcome is the selfishness that will pull us down, uh, unwillingness to sacrifice, unwillingness to continue that training. Because here's the problem that I see with parents and kids. We think that that golden rule is good for the kids. We send them to Sunday school. We send them in our system to confirmation. And then we hope that they'll continue in the youth group. But the statistics are startling. The statistics are alarming. One in nine of our kids who have regularly gone to church will renounce their faith. Four in ten of them, after they leave high school, will never attend church again. That's 50%. That's not a, that's not a passing grade. How do we instill in them that this is important? Well, I'll tell you. We, we don't make Jesus for kids. We live out the same thing that we expect of our kids. We show them that the golden rule wins the gold, and we show them not just the successes, but also the failures. Because you're probably expecting, okay, Bill, if I go out and I do unto others, uh, there's going to be you know, rainbows and unicorns and, and soft-serve ice cream, and, and you know, it'll be so happy and peaceful. No, it won't. Jesus warned us about that. It's going to be tough. It's going to be sparring. And we better know how to spar. And we better train. Because it's not just a one-time good thing. You don't go to confirmation, check a block, and have everything that you need to know for life any more than you go to the gym once, work out, and go, I'm good for the Olympics. Life doesn't work that way, folks. Jesus knows this. He arms us for this. So we got to get over the, the idea of being selfish. we got to be willing to step outside of the boat. And it's an adventure. It's thrilling. Second obstacle that we might encounter is uh, people think we might break the rules. Now, I literally found this on a secular website. 
the question and answer, I'm going to summarize so you get the main idea. The question was, well, I don't really know how to treat other people because I don't know how they would want to be treated. I mean, think about this example. Somebody goes to prison. Well, they don't want to be a prisoner. I wouldn't want to be a prisoner either. Therefore, if I should treat them like I want to be treated, I should free them from prison. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Sorry, that just came out. But, but here's the thing. Love your neighbor as yourself is part of the greatest command. It is the golden rule, but it's part of the greatest command. What comes right before that? Love God and then love neighbor. You see, God has standards. God has principles. God has standards like justice. God has standards like consequences. Because even if you're forgiven from sin, you can still experience the consequences of sin. God's not saying anything goes. God has order. And when we love him and understand his heart, then we understand the principles by which we must live. And then we address our neighbor. Take it back to the prisoner example. Would I let a murderer go? No. If I was on the jury, I would not. There are consequences to what you do. Could I see a way to, to minister to them in prison? Can I offer them the good news? Absolutely. Who else needs it more? Well, me, but who else needs it more? Am I willing to overlook and just ignore what they did? No. That needs to be addressed. There has to be consequences. So the question becomes, how do I treat that prisoner in jail? Well, who doesn't want to be treated with dignity and respect? It means that they have a decent cell. It means that they have decent food. It means that they can have visitors and, and get the good news in, in jail. It means I treat them as a person, hopefully, that has the ability to be rehabilitated, and then when they pop out the other end, they don't see themselves as an animal or a criminal. They see themselves as reformed. See, that's how we treat in, inside of God's principles. It's not anything goes. It's not breaking the rules. It's not throwing out the rule book. It's understanding God's principles and then acting out of them to treat other people with respect, with dignity. God could throw in a few other words we should treat them with. We should treat them with grace. We should treat them with forgiveness. And again, if you follow that train too far, you go, that's throwing out the rules. They're going to do whatever they want. No, there's this other thing that God has, and it's called truth. And you can ignore truth, but you can't break truth. I may decide today that, you know what, uh, there's this principle called gravity, and I don't really believe in that. I mean, you can believe it. You believe whatever's good for you. But for me, gravity's not good. And, and so uh, after church, I'm going to climb up onto the roof, and I'm going to step off. Because gravity doesn't really, I don't believe in it. How's that going to end? <laughs> Here, yeah, messy. <laughs> Yeah, anybody good at CPR? I know Maddie is. We tried that out last time. All right, so you can break principles, but you will be broken against principles. So we have to understand God first before we can go out and do the golden rule. You can never detach those two, or that's where it gets weird. So be aware that we're not about breaking rules. The third obstacle that you might encounter is I don't know how to treat other people like they want to be treated because I don't know how they want to be treated. Well, there are certain overarching principles we've already talked about, respect and dignity, good. But if I really want to bring someone comfort, it would behoove me to understand what comforts them, would it not? 
this was on the same website, another conversation like, well, I don't do this because I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to assume that I know how they want to be treated. And there's a pretty easy solution for that. Get to know them. Ask them, I want to bring some comfort. What comforts you? Ask them, what could I do for you that would alleviate your pain and your burden right now? I see you're going through a tough time. What, how can I help? And if they don't have an answer, then do the best that you can. But getting to know people is a great way to treat them like they want to be treated. I think that's a good start. All these uh, obstacles and excuses, uh, you could probably list other ones as well. And if you have other ones, let me know, because the next time we cover this, I will cover those obstacles as well. But here's the thing that I do need to emphasize. Folks, we've got to get in the game. We've got to get in the discipleship game, because if we don't, the world of darkness will win over. As we've mentioned before, there's a race that's going on right now, and, and Christians in America are not winning. We've got to get in the game. We've got to understand that we need to train. This isn't a one-time thing that we go and we check off. God's good. This is a continual training. This is the, one of the reasons that I love the idea of the schedule change is it creates an hour where we can train together. I mean, really get down and train. It would be one thing for me to stand up here and say, hey, here's the best ever CrossFit program. I'm going to teach you all about how to do all the CrossFit stuff. I'm going to teach you about the nutrition. The only problem with that is you haven't done anything yet. You have the knowledge, but you've not done anything with it. And so does your life change? Does the life of anybody around you change? No. You know more. But I'm convinced that, that we know enough. We just don't do enough. And so there's this brilliant combination. When we gather at a time like that for discipleship training, that we talk about not just the knowledge, but how to apply that knowledge. And then as you go out in that week, you apply that knowledge, and you come back into that classroom, that Bible study, that men's group, that women's group, whatever it is, and you go, hey, here's how it happened in my life. I tried to do unto others, and this is what happened. And you talk about, and you improve, and you learn from each other. Now, that's training. That's doing. That's one of the things that excites me about this 10 o'clock hour because there's so much potential to bring in uh, special events, special topics, special speakers, all this kind of stuff to take our training to an Olympic quality level because I'm tired of losing. Are you? The last thing, <clears throat> not the last thing, actually next to the last thing, my bad. When we train, we need to train for the gold. Uh, what do I mean by that? I see so many people that are sacrificing great things. They're sacrificing their health. They're sacrificing their relationships. They're sacrificing their sanity in some cases only to compete for the bronze at best. The other things that they compete for are all temporary things that will go away. There's only one thing that we can compete for that's eternal. And that's the kingdom of God. So until we spend our effort into winning the gold, we're going to spend a lot of effort for things that go away. At the end of the day, there's really no impact in that. I think of <laughs> pretty basic examples like, uh, okay, who can tell me who won the 1973 World Series? 
Cleveland? Seriously? No. <laughs> I was like, that would be a God miracle. No. <laughs> So now in 1973, that was a huge deal. People were willing to sacrifice. Man, they would cut out. They would go buy season tickets. They would fight to get that World Series ticket. And now, just a few decades later, what does it matter? Whereas those people who train as disciples live as disciples and help others become disciples. That never goes away. That never loses its luster. That's never not worth sacrificing for. See, we've got to not just get in the game. We've got to play this game as though we're going for the gold. And what wins the gold? The golden rule. We've got to do unto others as we would want them to do unto us. So it's time to be proactive. Now, I like this clock because is anybody familiar with the midnight clock? The midnight clock is the, the doomsday clock, right? It it's, uh, was put together many years ago during the nuclear era to show us how close we are to doomsday, and it, the hands go back and forth based on the world situation. The more tense it is, the more it looks like we're going to pull the trigger, the closer it gets to midnight. Nobody else knows about this? Okay, good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up. Okay, good, good. Yeah, so I used to watch that all the time because part of my job was to make the world end. <laughs> right? I'm sitting nuclear alert for the U.S. Air Force. I'm going, man, I hope that balloon never goes up. And I'm watching that midnight clock get closer and closer. I'm like, oh, my God. Jesus, come quickly before they send us. It's time to be proactive because eventually I think there will be a tipping point. Now, in the end, does God win? Yes, absolutely, God wins. We know that. The war may be won, but how many are we willing to lose in the battles until that war is finalized? How many people are you willing to lose that you love? Are you willing to lose yourself? I hope not. And I hope that this becomes a community where we're not willing to leave any person behind, that we're willing to extend love and grace and truth in the form of Jesus Christ, that we're willing to do unto others before they do unto us, in a way that shows grace and love. That's my hope. But if we don't be proactive, it'll never happen. <laughs> Gotta be careful here. Grace doesn't just happen. I've seen the bumper stickers, grace happens. It, it's a counter to another bumper sticker which shall not be named. Other things happen. <laughs> grace has to be intentional. Grace has to have an opportunity to show itself. And where is that opportunity? I'm looking at it. You're looking at it. We are the opportunity. It's up to us, though. Do we allow Christ to work through us to show that? Do we get in the game? Do we play the game as though we're going for the gold? Are we proactive, not waiting to see what happens? These are great questions for faith. See, I can see a time where, yeah, we're not going to make the Olympics maybe, but we can play Olympic-level discipleship. And I can see a, a news story in the future, 70 years down the road, when they talk about this fastest-growing county in the state of Texas and a metamorphosis that happened, where in a, a culture that is so divisive and so violent and so distressed that this model community popped up in a little town called Fulcher, Texas, where people lived in grace and truth, where people lived as 
brothers and sisters, where people knew each other enough to treat other people like they wanted to be treated and did so proactively. And in that story of that great community 70 years down the road, when we rejoice about the peace and the harmony that Fulcher, Texas is experiencing, we can say we were there. We were a part of that great transition. Or we can say we had an opportunity, but um, yeah, we, we let that pass because we weren't comfortable. We didn't feel like training. We didn't make it a priority. I know a lot about it. I just didn't do anything about it. So which side of that fence do we want to be on? That's a decision that only you can make, only I can make. And I'm going to be honest with you. I would love to say I made this decision. Man, I'm in the game. I'm going to play for the gold. And that decision lasts a lifetime. But I get discouraged just like you get discouraged. I have times in my life where I'm going, man, is this worth it? This is so hard. Why? I thought this was going to be easy following Jesus. No, it's, it's simple following Jesus. It's just not easy. There's a difference. So that's why we have to be part of a community that lifts each other up. That when you go out there and you experience faith and it beats you up a little bit, because it will, I guarantee you, if it hasn't yet, it will, you can come back to people who will lift you up and encourage you, dust you off, kick you back out the door to try again. That's what I hope WordServe will become, a community of supporting encouragement, a community that's in the game and playing for gold. Because we're in a race, whether we recognize it or not, we are in an Olympic-quality race, just like these people. And I hope these words of Paul, maybe in conclusion, can help us summarize what it is that we're about. He says this in 1 Corinthians, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Folks, there is no race more worth running than the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. There is no sacrifice, no training, no competition that is greater than the gold of the golden rule and eternal life in Christ. So if you're trying to decide where your priorities are, if you're trying to decide what's worth sacrificing for, and if you're trying to decide how come I don't feel like I've got a purpose or any real meaning in my life, well, maybe it's time to get in the game. Maybe it's time to compete for the gold. Maybe it's time to live Jesus. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Will you pray with me, please? God, we're thankful for an example of doing to others despite what the world is around them. That example is your son, Jesus Christ. Came into a world of darkness, brought light. Came into a world of falsehood, brought truth. And was killed brutally for it. God, I'm grateful that Jesus gives us this example because he doesn't wait to see what others will do. He extends grace and truth at the same time for everyone. From the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, people got the same gospel truth, the same message, the same hope. 
God, help us to be proactive as we decide to get in the game. Help us to set aside our excuses, our discomforts, our shortcomings, knowing that we serve a God who has everything we need and will give it according to his will. So God, let us not hesitate to ask. Ask for wisdom. Ask for mission and purpose. Ask to be used for something greater than any of us can do by ourselves. And ask to do something that we can't even imagine. God, give us that encouragement. Help us to train. Help us to love like you do. In Jesus' name, amen.